It's called the MacGuffin Report. Movies, TV, American culture. You in? From LA, the MacGuffin Report. Produced by Inclusive Media. Always Be My Maybe, uh, which is on Netflix, directed by Nanachka Khan, written and starring, uh, written by uh, Ali Wong and Randall Park, who also star in it. Uh, they're childhood friends who go their separate paths only to reunite and realize what they have missed. Um, yeah, basically, it's one of those, like, they're their first loves, and it didn't work out, and so they live their lives, and they, through serendipity, they, they come back together, and they uh, rekindle uh, their passion. <laughs> well, it was kind of like, kind of, but they weren't really sweethearts, right? So it was kind no, of more like a, they were first loves. It was almost yeah. like a when Harry met Sally thing where it's like they were friends for a long time. Yeah. And then they, you know, they, it happened that they slept together kind of thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like it, like it happens, like mm-hmm. it's a natural phenomenon, like yeah. we were talking about. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, and then it goes from there. And one uh, thing led to another. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Which there is, you go. Which is for, for a guy who can't pick up girls is the worst thing. One thing led to another. We um, want to know what's going on. Okay, How now, do we do it? Now, a little while ago, a few episodes ago, we talked about the um, It Happened One Night, mm-hmm. the old romantic comedy. Now, if you ask me, like even sensibilities aside and all that, this film ticked all the boxes, right? Mm-hmm. This film got us the cute meat. It got us some humorous situations. Okay, there's a lot of cliche here, you know, um, one of the couple moves away from home and becomes super successful. The other one stays at home and is kept down because he imagines his family needs him or mm-hmm. somebody needs him or whatnot. Okay, there's a lot of that cliche there. Yeah. But the personalities and the specifics really helped it rise above. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was a lot of funny bits in here. And I really liked uh, our main character's band. I thought the songs were great. Mm-hmm. Yellow uh, Carol. Hello, Carol. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Hello, it's based Peril. off of Yellow Peril. Sign right. Note, that's what Randall used to do. Right. That's what I actually used to do in college. What? Like, yeah, that's Rap? Like, yeah, that's like the that style that he did. Oh. That's what he really did. Okay, yeah, I was wondering yeah. if he wrote the songs yeah, and whatnot. He didn't actually write a lot of the songs. That's yeah. great because some of these songs were great. I mean, Tennis Bowl. Yeah. I had in my head for a couple of days <laughs> after this movie. That's a really funny. The chorus is brilliant. Or any kind yeah, of ball yeah. except the football. That was great. <laughs> um, but there was just like so much of this that you could enjoy. Mm-hmm. You know, it was again, there was a couple of relatable bits to, to cer- certain people. Um, it runs into the cliches like they completely have to manufacture that breakup. Because in every romantic movie, you have to have some fake catharsis where they go, maybe I don't want this. Oh, let's never see each other again. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in this movie, it kind of comes from out of nowhere, which is always a negative. But I think that, you know, I mean, this is a good, solid romantic comedy. I I had to compare it to um, a film called Murder Mystery which is something that Netflix is pushing mm-hmm. uh, at the same time. It also builds a romantic movie. It's got romantic comedy. It's got uh, good old Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston in it. <laughs> and they're pushing both of these movies at the same time. And I, I feel like Murder Mystery might do a little better because of the name recognition of the stars, yeah. which is a shame because it's crap. Mm-hmm. You know, that film forgot 
all the hallmarks of both comedy and romantic comedy. So you confirm my greatest suspicions, right. oh, having yeah. only it's, watched the first five minutes. It's it's. I mean, Adam Sand Adam Sandler is the Keanu Reeves of comedy. I mean, this guy drags everything down to his level, and his level is not very high. Uh, Netflix signed him to like an eight-picture deal wow. for like nine figures. And so they're stuck with this dude doing lame movies like this. But even in this, you can see Aniston is being dragged down. But we're not talking about that movie. We're talking about this one, which was you know funny and original and just ticked all those boxes that something like Murder Mystery didn't, or even It Happened One Night, I would mm-hmm. say, uh, just didn't tick. So I really enjoyed it. I felt the same way that you did, Oz. There was a lot of fresh, original ideas, and then there were, you know, the a lot of cliches as well. And I was like, you know, I was like, oh, why couldn't they have taken some of these cliches out and, like, you know, put some their own spin in there? Um, I thought it was really fun. I I personally like Ali Wong's stand up. Um, I have some friends that don't. They like they, it's just not their style, which is fine. Um, but I liked that she brought her stand up persona in, especially when she's yelling at Daniel Day Kim's character over the phone at the kid's birthday party and she's mm. yelling all these profanities and she turns and like everybody is like the her. kids and everything and the goats are like watching her and they're like, shh, the goats can hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I thought that was, um, that was really neat. And just like on a, from a cultural perspective to see, um, to see Asian Americans like on screen, like talking about, like they have some, they have some like dirty jokes in there. Like just talking about, like sex in general is like that's kind of it was it was it was mind-blowing to me that that was new i was realizing i was like i've not seen this before (laughs) (laughs) not in my time anyways and i was like wow like this is it's 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 mind-blowing to me that this is like shocking to me yeah like you see this with like any other people but like with asian people i was like whoa this is crazy so just to have that and like to have you know ellie wong likes her dirty jokes and to have all of that in there is like whoa this is this is like you know not i had it was it was kind of like crazy rich asians all over again for mm-hmm. me like to see asian americans they're both american right yeah. and is one canadian um i think they're both american right they're both american I yeah. So. yeah um i know i know randall's from la i think ali's from up north up north just i think oh, okay yeah bay area girl yeah yeah so to see that was like yeah it was another it was another one of those mind-blowing things where i was just like wow this is this is the time we live in this is great yeah. Um, I as as like a Keanu fan, I was you know, I was a little because of the press. I kind of guessed that it was him, like because he was in like a lot of the red carpet pictures. Um, and I but like I was still like amazed when they spoiler alert, like he's like a love interest for Ali Wong's character briefly. I will say though, for Keanu, for me at least, less is more. I thought he was in there a little too long. Like I wish they'd cut out like the second half. The the all of the um I really enjoyed the scene where they're eating in that restaurant. Yeah. And it's just like Randall Park is sitting there in his eighties tuxedo and Allie's like, Dwight, like, why are you all dressed up? He's like, You told me you were eating at like a fine dining place. I thought I was supposed to dress up. She's like, No, you're supposed to like dress up like you're homeless. Yeah. <laughs> but clean. And he looks around, there's like kids in like t shirts and ripped jeans and things like that. Um, and then that's when Keanu walks in and there's just this ridiculous over the top dialogue, which apparently a lot of it was improv by Keanu. Um, and they actually rewrote some of those scenes just for Keanu. But yeah, that that was a that restaurant scene was fun. But yeah, like once it got into like when they go back to the hotel and everything, I thought like I was like, okay, they're going a little too over the top here. I want a little bit less. I don't want to see so much of Keanu that it ruins it for me. (laughs) Well, they have to get their money's worth. 
Yes. But it, was kind of, yes. it was kind of a stopper, though. That's that's what blew it for me, is that like the movie was going on this nice, there's this nice feel to it. You know, it has this nice rhythm and everything. Mm-hmm. And then they get to the restaurant, and it just took this right turn. Yeah. You know, it wasn't even necessarily Keanu Reeves, but all of a sudden the movie was kind of about something different. Yeah, you know, for, for like those two, three scenes with Keanu Reeves. To think- add to what you're saying, it's like... And I don't want to get too like graphic or sexual or anything, but like let's say like for the first time in your life, you, you have relations with like the hottest girl that you've ever seen. You don't know if you're gonna have relations again, so you do everything in the books that one time, in in two minutes because you don't know if you're gonna see her again. And that's how I kind of felt with, when they got Keanu. They're like, we got Keanu. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's yeah. just so do let's everything we can it for yeah. what we yeah. can. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. it wasn't yeah. that. Sure. Like, but when a confident yeah. guy sees like has relations with a hot girl, he's like, you know what? Even if she leaves, I don't care. I'm gonna get somebody else. So I don't need to do everything that I want to do in my bucket list of yeah. things to do. But I think because they got Keanu, they're like, hey, we have him. Let's just, I don't know, where where would we go? We'd go to a hotel room. And we'd play a game. Yeah. Who see, plays games? See, nobody plays yeah. games anymore, except unless in Korea. They play drinking games. But nobody plays games. Yeah, I thought, I thought that, that, was that, was a, like, that was a lot and it was a little contrived and they yeah. were just trying to milk milk it for the penny, you know? Yeah. And I, Going they, for shock value. Yeah. And, it's you know, like, yeah. you got to get to that I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed when mm. he smashed the vase over his head. <laughs> but that was about it. Like, I thought the, the rest of it was like, it was too much. And I was like, oh, they should have just let it. Oh, and one thing that was interesting. I did too, by the about, way. I liked when he hit the vase on his head. Yeah, that was fun. Um, and then I punched Keanu Reeves thing afterwards. Oh, um, my favorite song. That We, we talk about the difference between um, movies that we see on Netflix and on Amazon Prime and then movies that we see in the theater. This mm-hmm. is one of the first times where I'm like, oh, I see that there is like a clear distinction here. When Keanu walked into the frame, yes. I was like, this is fish out of water. Not that I didn't enjoy the cameo, <laughs> yeah. but it was just like, these are two worlds coming in and I'm not, it's like brackish water. Things are getting a little murky. <laughs> yeah. I'm not entirely sure how it's going to play out. There's like cold spots. Like, did way, someone pee? It's a little warm over here. Like, yeah. you know, like it's, I'm not entirely sure. Like I, I started, like my stomach started getting mixed feelings. I was like, okay, no, yeah, there is a, there is a definite boundary between like cinema and then oh, yeah. Netflix feature films. And I still haven't quite like defined it in my head, but like watching this movie made me go, oh, they're mixing water here. Yeah, yes. worlds like collide. salt water and yeah. fresh waters. Yeah. Because, yeah. Keanu is a legitimate movie star. Yeah. He's And a Randall and Allie are not. Yeah. Uh, Here's what I didn't get. Here's what I didn't get. Okay. Because the premise is this. She's a super chef. Yes. Right? And so she caters this Netflix rap party, of course. Of course. Gee, where'd they get that? That was a little bit. And and they described it as, because she goes, is it The Crown? You know, starring Olivia Colman and Doctor Who's Matt Smith. But anyway, uh, and then he goes, no. It's that series about young Ben Franklin starring Kevin James. Okay, so my question is, is Keanu on that show? Is the, is he supposed to be in the I don't know. Young maybe, Ben Franklin series? Maybe he <laughs> plays uh cuz after she said that, I was expecting Kevin James, oh, right? When yeah. she goes, <gasps> you know, and that would have made sense because Kevin James is he's a TV guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. he's not like No. He's not, you know, he's, he's not John he's, Wick, he's mom right? Top. Right, he's believable, or Kevin Smith, you know, one yeah. of the Kevins. If they, if you know, somebody, 
lower uh, see and, and i thought it was almost like a late substitution or something or well, no, like keanu just comes from out of nowhere they, planned for keanu. they were really that was yeah. their first choice they'd considered a bunch of other people they even randomly considered paul giamatti but they really wanted yeah, keanu they, reeves and yeah. they were able to get him for four days in between shoots for mm-hmm. john wick and that's what happened. So they I, were shooting this at the same time they were shooting John Wayne. I really. So is he supposed to be young Hamilton in the Ben? I don't know. I, I'm just compelled by this. I, I want to know who he was. I don't think he was. Was he there. Bill and Ted? And he just pops yeah. up in the phone booth for one episode. I don't think. I don't think he's in that, that <laughs> Netflix show. No, they, they just the Netflix met. show doesn't exist. No. Uh, I should have said up, Adam Sandler <laughs> in a murder mystery. <laughs> yeah, that would have been good. Yeah, <laughs> on Netflix. Good. On Netflix, <laughs> they could have done it. They could have crossed over. Yeah. Uh, for me, this movie, I just thought it was okay. Um, I, I love the fact, the pageantry of the fact that you know the main characters are Asian. Mm-hmm. Um, that was fantastic. There's a couple things in there that I know for a lot of Korean people didn't make sense. Like when uh, Randall's mom uh, to uh, Ali's character is like, oh, call me this. And to me, the Korean, we're not an open society like that. We're not a Don't call war. me by my first name. Yeah, yeah, we're not like that. And so, but maybe in Ali's experience with her friends, mm-hmm. parents, maybe they were like that. Because mm-hmm. I know San Francisco, it's a little bit different than uh, down than Southern California. Because um, they've been, uh, in, in Northern California, the Asians have been there for so long. It's a little more established. Yeah, generation-wise. Yeah. Um, but it's more Chinese people. It's not Korean people. So like, I know a lot of Koreans that saw the movie, they're like, that's just wrong. Like no one, no Korean mom would ever, especially because I think she's Vietnamese. She's Vietnamese. Yeah. There's no, no way. There's no way they would invite her over like that. It, it's a very, uh, it, it's not to say that Koreans are bad people or not warm. It's just, that's just not how things work culturally. But maybe in her experience, that's what happened. And I'll, I'll, Give that to her. Yeah, I mean, it see, makes I, sense. I just chalk that up to Americanization and stuff. Yeah, I just, we're, but back especially then, that mother, she seemed really, really um, willing to please. You yes, know, she's willing to prove that she was open minded and clearly she was unique. Yeah. yeah, clearly she was unique to both the boy and the girl mm-hmm. because I mean. You know, magically, the girl decides she's going to open up a restaurant based on this woman's recipe. Yeah. She's but, the MacGuffin. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. She probably, so, so in that respect, I didn't have any problem buying that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not those, as close to it as yeah, you Yeah, are, but those but. are just like you know, small little cosmetic things. Um, for me, I just thought it was all right because um, that scene right before Allie shows up to his concert where she's like, I don't know if I'm going to go. I don't know. I'm not going to go. And she even tells him I'm not going to go. And then she shows up and then that's where the romance starts. They didn't. They didn't show any. They didn't establish any, um, like, like, kind of like what what prompted this, these feelings. And then I know later they say, "Oh, I was always in love with you right. and stuff." But they, you never, you never saw it. And to me, that's a big problem. Yeah, it's kind of they they want you to assume it. Yes. And that was the problem that I had with this movie as well. Like I, that's why I didn't like it more. I watched it again just because. So many of my friends liked it. And I was like, I don't know if this is the crazy rich Asians factor or maybe I just missed something. But I watched it again and I was like, they didn't build this relationship as strongly as I would have liked. Yeah, there was there was because things happen from when you're in high school to when you become an adult. Things happen. Things change. I'm not a a subscriber of people change, but just situations change. And and the the personality, the personality in you is brought out more as, as you grow older. So they do need to reestablish the romance. You just have to. It's, it's not like they didn't see each other for a month. They hadn't seen each other in, in a decade. Uh, they do, and I think, what, what the, like going to what you said, Rachel, is about your your friends that really liked it. I think now, a sad trend of romantic comedies is Netflix and, and other movies have told people, this is a romantic comedy, and you're going to like it. We don't need to establish 
um, how they fell in love or why they fell in love. We don't need to establish and make it a big event that they fell in love. It's like, but no, but if you take that out, you're not drawn to the characters. You don't care if they break up. I didn't care if they broke up, honestly, because it was like, whatever. The, yeah, they live different lives. They, live, yeah. they have different motivations. Yeah. He's it, more family-oriented. Mm-hmm. She's career-oriented. And he, and honestly, they painted Randall as such a loser that he works for, for his dad, even though it might be with his dad, but they made it like he works for his dad. He smokes weed in his bedroom. He's plays In video front games. of his dad. Yeah, and his dad <laughs> smokes weed. I mean, that's fine. I, I, you know, whatever. You want to smoke weed with your parents? I, I, that's not the problem I had. The problem I had was... You're painting this guy as a loser. Like he smokes weed in his bedroom. He can't even move out and he plays video games. And it's like, all right. And then now he's going to bag a celebrity chef. It's like, come on. And I know they're childhood sweethearts, but again, I, I just felt they didn't establish, they didn't reestablish that romance. And it was just, she's like, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. And then she shows up. And then all of a sudden they're hanging out again and they're in love with each other, but they won't say. And it's like, Mm, I don't know. I don't know about that. I was okay with the Keanu part to a certain extent. I thought when he walked in, it was fantastic. It was funny. I um, love the uh, slow mo yeah, with his all hair that. and yeah, the glasses yeah, all that. and the like. It's, the he's a movie, guns. Yeah, he's a movie star, and you, you expect like this weird, you know, like movie star lifestyle and all that stuff. I thought Vivian Bang was probably the best out of everybody. Like just how how she played her character. To me, Ali's acting was in and out. Um, I, I think some scenes I was like, mm. and then other scenes I was like, okay, she's acting right now. But yeah, others, yeah. There were some times when I'm like, you're just reading lines. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest, it was, it was in and out. Nanashka Khan, I thought she did a fantastic job with uh, Fresh Off the Boat as a showrunner, um, but I think she got thrown on the deep end because I mean, I'm, I'm sure she's directed some episodes of Fresh Off the Boat, but there's a difference between directing a sitcom and directing a feature film. Yeah, uh, and I think. Like they needed someone to smooth over all these rough edges and they just didn't have that because if, if they smoothed over all these edges, someone would have said, hey, guys, why are you guys in love? And then and, and what, how did you know that you were in love? When did it start? They can't, you, they can't, the movie cannot answer these questions. Other than the uh, Keanu Reeves coming in in slow motion, there were no scenes that yeah. I would watch again. Yeah, like in love, actually, there are scenes that I want to watch again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there is one scene that I know for a lot of Korean people, it really got the got the emotion strings going. Was at the very end when he finds out that the I think there is it the restaurant's name or it's based on his mom. Yeah. Oh yeah, whatever. on the menu, it's yeah, her that name. That was like, I was yeah. like, whoa, like that that was a one touching moment. But yeah. even that moment, that was a good acting moment yeah, for her too. Didn't, she didn't mm. she didn't hit it over the no, head yeah. with a hammer and but beat I, it to death. I thought even that moment though, it didn't fit in with the movie. Mm. Like, I know they set up the relationship with her, but they, if they made it more sentimental and then they brought that in the end, I think it would have been driven home more with everybody. Yeah, this yeah, this movie suffered from the thing where it, and it happens a lot, in, especially in romantic comedies, where they introduce so many storylines mm-hmm. that by the end of the movie, they're closing up stuff that you don't even care about. Yeah. Like, for example, the relationship between her and her parents, who were never at home, yeah. was completely underdeveloped. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, they're like, oh, yeah, we're supporting you now. It's like, but we don't care. Yeah. Because you never showed us to the extent by which she I was almost hurt hated, by that. I almost hated them more by yeah, the fact that they were was, trying to curry her favor. Like, look, we paid yeah, that was full worse. price. Yeah. Now that we have time for your grandchildren. Yeah, or, or it's 
parents now that we have time for our celebrity chef R yeah and that's right, the problem right. i had with the with the parents we can be that... publicly proud of you now yes. so, but see again maybe it wasn't that way but they didn't bother to develop no. it you it, know it's just it oh show. yeah we forgot about the parents maybe we should bring them back in at the end why not just have them never show up what struck me about this movie is there's nothing outstanding Right. There's nothing above the typical good romantic comedy. Right. I mean, the only thing that was above that was outstanding as compared to another movie was the music, was the songs by the oh, yeah. band. And, you know, yeah. that, and I'm and, glad and you liked not, it so much. Yeah. It's not like it was Mozart, no, but no. it was funny and it was original. It's yeah. Well, it's not, original, I haven't yeah. heard it in 25 years because it was yeah. like 90s hip hop, basically. But, uh, <laughs> but it was, songs, didn't it? It was De La yeah. Soul, I thought. The songs <laughs> do know. their jobs. Yeah. They yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Jobs. But that was the only part. And they were smart. To run it over the credits too yeah. by the way that was the only part for me that was really above that really made that was great because the rest of it was good at best because that style of music you don't hear yeah you just don't hear it anymore and then the fact that they're, they're doing it it's like oh that separates it yeah. from different things well so often you get the band in the romantic yeah. movie right and it's just some generic rock band or worse yeah. yet they're doing a cover or something yeah and you really believe that this guy he had this quirky little band and you really believe that he's been doing it for 15 years because it sounds like it's 15 years yeah, old exactly you know? so it was just like i really liked that aspect and you could tell that it was originally written and stuff and that yeah. care was given where in a lot of other aspects of this movie care was not given. No. I feel like they spent a lot of time on the songs, even though different, a different writer wrote, like it was Randall and a different guy that wrote the song. But it, yeah, I, I felt like they, they focused more on the songs because that's why they were so applicable yeah. to, the, to the movie. Like, well, the tennis ball thing was great because, yeah. okay, so there's this thing where one of the band members says, I got a great promotional item, tennis balls yeah. with our name on it, right? <laughs> and then the guy, said, and then later on the guy, just, I thought it was just a throwaway line. He's like, oh yeah, I'm writing a new song called Tennis Ball and blah, 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 blah. And then you actually get the song yeah. later on. And I thought that was just great. You know, yeah. that they followed through because so much of this movie, there's no follow through. No. Yeah, they, you're right. Yeah, they they're leaving stuff through. on the floor. Yeah. yeah. This is a situation where less is more. They, and if they did, if they took out all that was of like, the That's fat, like the theme of our reviews, like less yes. is more. <laughs> I was fine with the Keanu thing because I understood, I read like why they wanted Keanu and I get it. They wanted Keanu because um, Ali felt that it had to be someone where Randall would be totally jealous yes yeah because they thought about just doing like a regular character that's just good looking and they already had daniel day kim in the other yeah, role they had that and so <laughs> i get it that's all well and good that you know they did that but i felt like they, they needed to spend time more on how do they fall in love and like why do they fall in let's love? let's say something is called like always be my maybe right uh -huh. okay that tells me it should be about these two yes primarily we don't need the father having a relationship after the mother is dead. We don't need that. Why was that in there? Oh, yeah. So then the kid you would need, have an excuse to go to New York well, you need with, a the, with the millionaire yeah. girlfriend. Come on. Now. Well, you know, the, thing, the title for me was a hoodwink. I, there, was no, hmm. there was no mention between the two characters of, hey, you're always going to be my mate. Right. <laughs> I thought that that was going to be in the movie. <laughs> was but there was nothing line. like that. They got yeah. into that contrived fight yeah. after they had sex. Yeah. And... Like, hey, I'm gonna call your bluff. No, you're gonna call your bluff. And then they left. They got their manager. They didn't talk for what 10, 15 years. Yeah. There was never any scene of um, even one of them just saying, um, no matter what happens, you're always gonna be my maybe. Because then, then you can you can close off that storyline at the end of the movie where they they bring that back up where you were always you were always my maybe. Nothing. And I don't know if they avoided that on purpose because they didn't want to be a cliche. But I'm, but I'm thinking you can, if I was a producer, I would say you cannot call your film Always Be My Maybe without having that concept in the movie. 
if Ali's character wrote a diary or Randall's character wrote a journal or whatever it may be, and I know I'm, 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 I'm like genderizing those words, but if, if they wrote after they broke up, like after they had sex and they wrote, you know what, even though I'm really mad at him or her, like he or she is always my maybe. Or you then could do a thing know. where they sign the yearbook or yeah, something, something in high school. Then, then yeah, we'll, a million then, ways to do it. Yeah, yep. then at the very end, when they get together, it's like that whole maybe thing has now come to fruition. Mm-hmm. It's not a maybe now. Like they, they could say something cheesy, like now you're my always, always yeah. yeah, or something, you know. And then be like, oh, that's so cheesy, but they'll be like, oh, but it, it, inside they know it, they've come full circle. But we got we were ended with the sentimentality of Randall's mom, which it's a you know <laughs> MacGuffin. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a it's a way to end a movie, but they didn't. It's not that's not that's not this movie. But I, I, I championed them, and I'm, I'm, I'm really proud that they, they were able to do this. And I I'm was very great. proud of both of them. Um, but as a romantic comedy savant. <laughs> <laughs> so for this episode, we watched Kim's Convenience, which you can find on Netflix. Uh, Kim's Convenience is about a Korean-Canadian family who owns and runs a convenience store as they navigate a new culture and try to raise their young adult children. Um, this is starring Paul Sun-Hyung Lee, Jean Yoon, Andrea Bang, and Simu Liu. Let's see, Walter, did you did you give this a watch? Yes. Uh, I watched, I think, a handful of episodes. Um, Had you seen this before? Yeah, I, know I, you I watched, watched it before. I know before, you kind of watch everything. Yeah, I watched it before um, this whole, or this episode. Uh, or I watched it before this episode's assignment, I should call it, homework, I don't know. Uh <laughs> I just thought it was okay. Um, it was enjoy. It was I was I enjoyed watching an all Asian cast sitcom, but that for me that quickly dissipates. Mm-hmm. Like then I want to. I it's got to stand on its merits. At least for me, having uh, being someone that watches a lot of television, um, I just thought it was okay. Um, I don't know the the convenience store experience in Canada because I, I didn't live in Canada, but for here I thought. It's not the convenience experience here. Uh, Family-wise, I have a hard time getting over bad accents, or actually inaccurate accents. I have a hard time getting over it. If you can't do the accent, don't do it. In my, that's my opinion. And so I have a hard time with the family's accent because it's it's highly inaccurate. I want to add to that really quick. So they this this um, Kim's convenience is actually from a stage play that uh, the writer Ins Choi wrote. Um, in in Canada, he wrote it for a university program. Um, these uh, Paul and Jean, they're the original cast that played the parents in the stage play, and they had Korean accents in the stage play. When they brought it to TV, they were told to tone, tone it down Ugh. and edit it. So that's why you oh. hear the accents that you hear now. Yeah, it's I I have a heart. It'd be, it, the best way I could describe it for uh, you uh, white people is if. <laughs> The character is British, but they have an Irish accent. That would take you out. Of, or it's like the, it's like somebody trying to do a, a Boston accent. Yes, and they just can't do it. No, is it like yeah. Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins? <laughs> oh yeah, oi, pork Hello, boy, constable. Yeah. <laughs> He's it just for takes pork you boy. out. Oh, oh, uh, uh, a closer example I give is uh, in Gladiator. Uh, Russell Crowe. Because it's a Spanish character. He plays a Spanish character. He wanted to do a Spanish accent. And then Ridley Scott said, no. <laughs> and he goes, no, I can really do it. No. You're just, <laughs> no, just don't. Because I, I, I believe, and Ridley didn't say this, but I believe it's because Ridley knows if it's not accurate, 
it's just not going to mm-hmm. come off well. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, I have a hard time watching Kim's Comedians because the accents are, are, are inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kids, the problems, I thought that, that it's good. It, it's fine. Uh, so as a sitcom, I just think it's okay. Um, I don't love it as much as, or like like it as people that, people that love, they're like, oh, it's, it's a great sitcom, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, do you watch sitcoms? Like, I don't really know, you know. I mean, I'm glad it's on Netflix. I'm glad there's an all-Asian cast and good for them. Uh, to me, none of the actors, the daughter is not bad. I, I think I think she'll find work. The son is just, uh, the dad and mom, they're okay. Um, but I think that to me, the, the standout person is the daughter. I think she's really good. I, I have this policy of when I watch television because I watch so much that if I don't care about the any of the characters, if I don't care about the story, if I don't care about the situation, I stop watching because there's so many things to watch. No, yeah, I don't you should imagine that. Yeah. I mean, dude, if you, you know. don't care about a lot of stuff, what's holding you what's on? The, yeah, <laughs> what's the point? Yeah, exactly. No, I don't You're blame you at all. You're not strange in this respect. Yeah. No, dude. I, I gotta care about something. I gotta, if it's a situation, I gotta care about the situation. Uh, if the characters suck or whatever, but with this, I'm like, eh. Well, I'm. Uh, thanks for the insight on that. Um, I just wanted to say a couple of things about this. One thing I want to say is I was blown away by one part of episode one. There is a moment of about 20 to 30 seconds long when Mr. Kim, our store proprietor, has a conversation with a drag queen mm-hmm. that is better than 20 episodes of any documentary produced by CNN about the LGBTQ community. I thought that one part should be required viewing for anybody who lives in a permissive society. Just explained like why some folks don't understand and why other folks do the things that they do and just and it was just expressed in this very clear way and then at the end of it Mr. Kim is just like, "Oh, mhm." I understand. And you really believe that these characters like reach and understand they like each other even, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas at the beginning, the drag queen person is kind of like, I don't even know if I want to be in here. I'll just buy this one thing and maybe he'll leave me alone. But instead they had this really nice, intelligent conversation Mm -hmm. that I personally wish people could have in real life all the time. Mm -hmm. It would solve a lot of problems in that respect. That kept me going to the second episode. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, Here's the thing is that, okay, I will rip on American sitcoms forever, okay? But I think that the one thing, and I, and I think it's kind of the single cam thing you're talking about, I think one of the one things that 70s and 80s sitcoms did get right is sometimes the set is the main character, mm-hmm. right? Mm, yes. MASH, yeah. Cheers, yeah. Barney Miller, shows like that, I think shows like that are improved when you stay in that one set. Mm-hmm. If Kim's Convenience had been in one set, I probably would have watched the whole season. Because I just want to see the store. I yeah. just want to see the fun stuff in That's the store. I don't so care about the church group. I don't care no. about the disenfranchised son. I don't. I just want to see the store. I want to see the wacky people that come into the store. Like Night Court. Remember yeah. that show? Yes. That's all it was was a court and you just got wacky people in every week. This show could be that. That's like so this interesting one. because, you know, as the stage play, they only go to the store. There you go. Now I want to see it. Like they actually yeah. couldn't get it to show anywhere in Canada. So they sent it to the LA Fringe Festival and it won a bunch of awards. Wow, yeah. And then somebody was like, let's make a show out of this. But that was when they decided like, let's open it up. Let's make a whole world out of it. Well, yeah. Put it outside. It's like it's the sitcom world but again people forget that they used to do this i mm-hmm. mean for the first like four or five seasons of cheers they don't go outside the bar no yeah they kind of go in the back office sammy's yeah. office that's but it. that's it 
you know, and, and it really added to the show. I mean, the, what sold that show was Boston, mm-hmm. you know, the sarcastic humor and the feel of it and the Red Sox fandom and stuff like that, right? This could be the same thing. There's another Canadian show, the most successful Canadian comedy series of the 2000s was Corner Gas. Did you guys ever hear of this? Mm-hmm. Same kind of thing. Guy owns a convenience store in the middle of Saskatchewan. What is it with Canadians and convenience stores? <laughs> I mean, it's a good, in, in that one, in that show... It was like how to show, you know, it was basically about the plains. It was basically about that part of Canada, Saskatchewan, Mm -hmm. you know, which is like Kansas and the Dakotas and Montana and that area of our country. But it happens in America, too. We love regional shows. Northern Exposure. Yeah. Right. Cheers. Um, there are Miami Vice, if you want to go drama, right? (laughs) We love the, the shows because guess what? It's all about the coasts, right? And so, you know, people on the coast don't know what life is like in Miami or Boston. Well, not really Boston, but you know, the Midwest places like that. Um, and so I don't think that's unique to Canada. But I, I, I do think it would be nice to have a, a show about the Korean North American community, let's yeah. say. But just, you know, Keep just the people. Yeah. I want to see wacky Canadians. That's what was so great about that first episode. We got to see a lot of wacky LGBTQ people yeah. and a lot of normal LGBTQ yeah. people, right? I mean, I, I, I don't know if I learned stuff, but I felt like I learned stuff. I felt like I came away from something. Nothing outside the store appealed yeah. to me at all. No, nothing. Like there's the, the, nothing. Is this some kind of car rental place or a car? The sale? Sun works. Yeah, at the a Sun works at a car rental. rental. Yeah. They did yeah. a scene in episode two where the girl goes to high school and gets insulted by her teacher. It's just like I don't need yeah. this. It's, it's that's the not store. funny. And that's the thing is, you call something Kim's convenience. Right, right, right. I want to see the store. Right, just like in Always Be My Maybe. I want it. I want that theme. <laughs> yeah. in the movie. I want to see the maybe. <laughs> yeah. And so I think with this too, you want to see the store, and that's that. Where to me, that's to me, because I think people have this the glamorization of of single camera sitcoms, like oh, we gotta do this. This is great because we can go anywhere. It's gonna be funny. No, no, no. There's a, there's a, there's a certain uh, like aspect of having a multi cam, having one set, and that's it. You're right. You're there, uh, and, and we're gonna we're gonna bring everyone to us. We don't need to go anywhere. We're just gonna, we're just gonna have everything here. And, uh, and I'm glad you explained it that way, Oz, because like that—that's true. That you just want to see the store and who comes into the store. Yeah, that's the fun. You could do it. so. I mean, some of the best parts were when the other dude was when the, Kim's friend was just hanging out and yeah. they're just talking about how weird other people are. <laughs> you know? But they're the weirdos. Yeah. You know, it's just like stuff like I mean, like like in Do the Right Thing when you had the three guys just standing outside mm-hmm. and every once in a while they do it. It's almost like a Greek chorus. Yeah. You know, you can do that kind of stuff if you just stay in one place. And that would have been gutsy. Yeah. Whereas all this stuff about outside the convenience store is the conventions of the sitcom. Yeah. I mean, it's like you don't need to do that, man. Just like... Because it's, it's you know, harder. It's Do harder. your own thing. For, for multi-camera, it's harder because you only have one set. But hey, that's your job. But it's rich. This is why you're getting yeah. all that money. Yeah. Like, write more jokes for for that. I mean, like, what... I mean, how much did they get out of the Pride Parade, Pride Parade storyline? And most of that was people coming in. As mm-hmm. soon as they left the store, it had nothing to do with the Pride Parade anymore. Yeah. And that was all the important stuff, right? You could have easily maintained the whole episode with him giving the discount to some people. And I mean, what about that one where he didn't believe the guy? <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> They could have carried that on forever. Yeah. I mean, they could have. That guy so... is one of the oh, he comes customer back? characters. Okay. Yeah, he That's comes cool. back and he always has. He's always a little salty towards Mr. Kim because he didn't believe him. 
I love this show. This is one of my favorite shows that are going on right now. Um, not just because of the context that it's in, but because of the content as well. I think the show is wonderfully written. The characters are strong. Their development is strong. Um, at least as strong as a sitcom can be because you don't want the characters to change too much because that's when the show ends. Um, but the relationships are strong and that's really what you want in a sitcom. That's why Friends ran so long. That's why It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia has gone on so long. It's because of the relationships and because of the chemistry. The casting for Kim's Convenience is fantastic. The siblings are believably siblings. The writing is great. The writing is fantastic. The jokes are wonderful. I, they are laugh out loud good for me. So I highly recommend it if you if you like to giggle a little bit on your couch. Um, the color correction and design of the show are beautiful. It just makes me want to stay in the world. Everything is very colorful and bright and poppy, but not in an obnoxious way. Everything's just very... It's colored very well. The color correction is done very well. The set design is great. Um, and it's just... It's very hip to my millennial eye. What can I say? Another thing I like about the show is that the characters' backstories are fleshed out as you move along through the seasons. For season one, I won't go into any spoilers, but in season one, it all kind of culminates into a very teary season finale between two of the main characters, involving the whole family, of course, but it really comes to a head as the backstories are fleshed out. And it doesn't shy away from more serious topics. It kind of, Kim's Convenience reminds me a little bit of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, where they do address some serious topics, but they do it in a sensitive yet lighthearted way. You can tell that these characters like each other, that these actors like each other. They love working together. I give Kim's Convenience two thumbs up. It's a great show. Highly recommend it. Um, It's great for, if you have kids around too, it's kid-friendly, so... Highly recommend that. Um, and it's it is something you can watch with your parents. If you have if you are Asian and you have Asian parents, watch it together. It's so cute. Yeah, let us know what you think on Twitter. Please do. Has Asian content arrived in America? Is it now time to move past the subcategorizing ethnic movies as Asian American and just say American movie or show? I think no. I would also say no, because I can still count them on, like, one hand. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think we need, at this point, we still need to call it Asian content, just so um, there's an awareness. Uh, but casting becomes difficult. Like, what, they just cast a black girl for uh, Little Mermaid, for Ariel? Um, which is fine. I mean, I don't really care too much about all that. What I foresee gonna, that's going to happen is, is, if they did cast Idris Elba as James Bond, then what's going to do is, is when, when uh, Hollywood decides uh, for this Asian, black, or Latino character, we're going to cast a white person. And we're going to complain, no, 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 mm-hmm. we have to be authentic. Hey, 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 we cast a black girl for Ariel. We cast uh, James Bond as a black guy. Relax. We're going to cast white people now. And so I think like, you know, everyone for the casting stuff, just everyone needs to relax a little bit, I think. Uh, I'm okay with separating Asian content because there's still black content. Uh, there's still you know Latino movies out there. I'm okay with it. Um, are we ever going to come to the point where we can just call it Asian, like a a heavy uh, or a heavy centric Asian cast as an American movie? I don't know. Don't we know only we make can. up six percent of the country. I think it's so six percent. I think it's three to four because six they include. I think they're including India, Pakistan. They consider Asia. Well. Yeah. 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 And then like some people, they, they consider that part like uh, 
Asia. And so I think they're including all of them. And when you get... Are so, you ta- so you're specifically talking East Asian? The big three. Okay. And then the leftover and, and, and down south. <laughs> the big three being yeah, Chinese, the jungle Japanese, Asians, Korean. right? Yes. The jungle yes. Asians. Yes, as Ali Wong, using as Ali Wong says, okay. jungle Asians. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, uh, I, I, yeah, because I think it's like three... Maybe four percent, but when you include uh, the others, are we are we accounting for the illegals? Oh, no, we all oh, come boy. here legally. <laughs> no, that's not true. As anchor babies. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, we we only make up three percent. And so for me, like, it's such a, even. Okay, let's say we make up ten percent. Let's say we make ten percent of the population in the U.S. That to me still that's not enough for us to be like, okay, well, an Asian-centric cast can just be an American movie. I still think we need that separation, that we need that affirmation, the acknowledgement that, okay, yeah, this is an Asian film. Um, if you look at science fiction, they'll, they'll, they'll have these diverse casts, like you know, white guy, black guy, yellow guy, brown guy, whatever, all, all this stuff. And to me, that means that in the future, we're still racist because they're not falling in love with each other and procreating <laughs> these mixed babies. I feel like if if the future society is not racist, then everyone should be the same color, the, you know, the same tones, because everyone's uh, you know having relations with each other, and there's no because there's no racism involved. But the, yeah, but every country's got walls between it in the future. So yeah. <laughs> if they can afford it, <laughs> right. if not chain link right. fences well, is the way not, to go. Then Mexico is going to pay for it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's this big question about can we stop using Asian American? I guess. It, Asian Canadian TV in, in the case <laughs> of this. Asian North American. Uh, but, you, you know, um, and, and of course, you know, I hear this from white corners. I hear this from the mass media of the U.S. And the thing is, it, it's really important to remember that colorblind doesn't mean like you're historically ignorant. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's kind of still important, I think, to, to say this in some respect. I think a Spike Lee movie we can call an African-American movie, especially Mm -hmm. if he's like on the topics that he's on. But something like Always Be My Maybe or You'll Always Be... And now the title is so throwaway, I can't remember (laughs) Always, You're Always My Maybe or whatever it's called. I mean, that film is set in America. Mm -hmm. You were talking about how the Korean mother didn't act like a Korean because she's in America. I mean, to me, that I think you could call an American movie Mm -hmm. starring... Asian folks, but for me, here's when Asian movies really arrive, is when, for example, like, okay, my kids, the next generation of kids, they like anime more than Cartoon Network, okay? To me, that when actual Asian product is sold in America, that's when it arrives. I don't, I don't know that Asian American TV or movies is different than American movies, because, I mean, again, look at Kim's Convenience. That looks like a North American sitcom. It mm-hmm. does, right? Just because the characters are Asian, it's still following the rules of Canadian slash American TV. Always be my maybe. It's following the rules of American Netflix TV slash movies, so, right? So to me, what I'd like to see is more influence from Asia, you know, and informing American TV. So two things, two separate things. One is, is then would you consider like the, the Bernie Mac show that was on Fox, Mm -hmm. a black sitcom? 
Yeah, because it was really kind of about race. Kind of like the Cleveland show is another one where it's like they're saying, yes, we're a black family, mm-hmm. you know. And the, the problem is, and, and this is going to get controversial, but I really believe it's the truth. I think the problem that Americans have with admitting that there's such a thing as, let's say, African-American film is to do that, is to admit that for hundreds of years, this culture was separate from white culture. Mm -hmm. To admit that there is such a thing as African-American film and to some extent Latino film is to admit that this country had a frickin' system of apartheid for at least half a century, okay? And a lot of white folks are uncomfortable with admitting that kind of thing okay now so for me really the the question is does this movie which has all black folks in it come from that sort of separatist jim crow post jim crow tradition Mm -hmm. black panther to me is not really an african-american movie Mm -hmm. it's not i mean geez stan lee created the character i mean you know to me that's not an african-american American yeah. movie to me, do the right thing is Malcolm X even is you know, it has a lot of white folks in it, but mm-hmm. I'd still say it's coming from that perspective. It's not coming from an American. It's coming from an African American perspective. So, but for me again, I think we know when China, Japan, Korea win the culture wars when their stuff appeals to Americans. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's one example. Actually, I wanted to bring this up before. My wife will never forgive me for not bringing this up. When Toy Story 4, which we reviewed a couple episodes ago, was released in China, they re-released this movie called Spirited Away. Ah, good movie. I know. You know this one. It's a brilliant movie. Brilliant anime movie. Scared my boyfriend. Spirited Away crushed it at the box office in China. Toy Story 4. I would be willing to bet that if they had done the same thing here, it would have at least competed. Because I think kids today know that anime is superior to what's being put on American cartoons these days. And I think when that happens, because let me tell you, it is tough to sell foreign product in America. Of course. Think about how many foreign language things have been nominated for Oscars or have been on TV. Few. I think until now, subcultures um, within America are still answering to the American aesthetic. Or in this case, the Canadian. Well, because I think so. Well, so where where I differ with what you're saying is, when you say like Asian, actual Asian content, like from China, Japan, Korea mm-hmm. comes over here, then it's like it's like actual Asian cinema. Is that kind of what you were? Well, saying? Well, yeah, I want to see Asia influence America, not America influence Asians to make more American-looking product. Yeah, I don't, but it, it, I don't think it works that way with Asians okay. that grew up in America, because we are American. Mm-hmm. And so when we say Asian cinema or black cinema, it's, hey, white people aren't going to pay for these movies. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have our experience. So when we bring over it, because I know a lot of Asian Americans in entertainment here, they don't like uh, cinema and TV shows from Asia coming over here because we lose work. Because we're stuck in the middle. Okay, fair enough. But what I want is the influence. You know, what I want is like, for example, my kids, they say something like Spirited Away is better than Toy Story 4. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that when they go to work in the movies or they become adults and, you know, their their opinion matters more to demographics, that they're going to say, no, I want the thing that's more like anime. I want the thing that's more like the Japanese style. Like, for example, okay, there was a show called Teen Titans Go. Mm-hmm. 
Did you see this one? Um, you know, it's it's a man. it's <laughs> there you go. It's a DC comic superheroes. You uh-huh. know, Robin and those guys, right? And you know, they're teen heroes, right? But when they did Teen Titans Go, they did it in this weird kind of funny comedy style, but. It's really influenced by anime. You know, mm-hmm. it's not anime style, but you can see the influence. Like they're flying through the air and they got the stuff flying behind them, or their eyes get really big when they're surprised, or and, and they're freaking out and the little drops like, are flying. Uh, Avatar the Last Airbender. Yeah, there you go. Stuff like that. That's what I want to see. I want to see stuff that's not from China necessarily, but that influences so the difference that would be, adds to the American aesthetic. The difference would be we want to see ourselves on the screen. Hmm. We don't care about the the characters of the story in as much as, as long as the story makes sense. We want to see our faces on the screen. So for us, when the, the whole cast is Asian, mm-hmm. then it's, for us, it's Asian entertainment. Like it's, it's kind of like Asian American TV show because we're seeing ourselves. Now, if we talk about influence, it, it could be an all white cast that's influenced by Asian people. Mm-hmm. To us, we don't take pride in that. Okay, fair yeah, enough. For, yeah, for us, fair enough. It, and for, yeah. like, I think for black cinema, it's black people seeing other black people in front of and behind the camera that for them classifies it as black cinema. Well, yeah, that's the thing. You brought the thing up about Ariel. And yeah, I, yeah. And I saw a thing on Twitter today that's like, come on, people. You're freaking out about, you know, white people. You're freaking out about this redhead being cast as a black girl. You know, for 70 years, Disney did not have a black princess. Yes. You know, they had these Aunt Jemima goddamn mm-hmm. figures instead right they had these stereotypes and that's what black kids were supposed to look at okay i get that but then you know at some point you're gonna go hey this is still vapid american tv mm-hmm. you know this is still america number one rah 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 and you know that's kind of what i would like to see lost now see i'm not coming from y'all's perspective mm-hmm. you know but but here I am, and and rather than just assimilate another culture and another aesthetic, I'd like to see another culture add to our aesthetic. You know, let's enrich my culture a little bit, right? Because yeah. that's the way it's supposed to work, right? We we're not do- just supposed to assimilate you like the Borg. We're supposed to get something from people who come to but this country. But do we do that though? We we as Americans, we don't we don't we don't like to be influenced by other cultures. And if we do, it's in a very very small, subtle scale. We're, well, we're not I like th- that. You know? Well, I think that's kind of because America has become this powerful giant. Yeah. But I mean, as we decline in world influence, I think that there's no question that we're going to see outside influence change us. And I think it would be for the I better. think this is almost like the function that leads to the model minority stereotype of Asian Americans. Um, it leads to the bamboo ceiling. There's a problem with, like, I spoke to somebody that I know that was like, hot take, Asian Americans are not minorities. And I was like, by definition, we what? are. <laughs> we are. And he was drunk, but I was just like, you know, it comes out when you're drunk. And I'm like, oh, that's what you really think? No. I was just like, <laughs> yeah. what? Like, I'm not going to argue with you because you're drunk and you're not going to, you might not remember this, but I was just like blown away. Yeah. I never, I don't know if this is like an East Coast thing or whatever, but I was just like, Gob stopped. Well, but any coastal like, people though do think that people that live on the coast, like where Asians are, uh, there's a there's plenty. There's of Asians, plenty of us. Yeah, they think that. And it's like Asians don't have problems. Like a, a couple weeks ago, yeah, someone like a, a couple weeks ago, a old dude, not Asian, yelled at me to go home, which is you know the same wow. thing as go back to where you're from. Uh-huh. And I was like, bitch, I was born here. <laughs> like I'm a couple zip codes away. That is so lame anyway, because you can easily tell a white person the same thing. You know, go back to France. 
you know, go back to England. Yeah. And know? so I, I told this guy that and he was like, oh, I didn't realize like Asian people were told to go home. And I was like, yeah, all the time. Like my brother has been sprayed with a hose, a garden hose. Wow. Like this, it's, you know, and I've talked to, I've had like friends of friends who like also have been sprayed with hoses, like in Venice. Wow. It's, it's crazy. Like, I mean, it's, you know, it's not, I don't want to like compare experiences, but we're a minority. We are like, and what I'm saying about the model minority thing is that like the assimilation of having to fit in with American culture. Like I feel like a lot of Asian Americans have been very good about being subordinate to that. We're model minorities because we, the way that our culture is and the way that our work ethic is, is convenient to the system. Mm -hmm. It's convenient to the system. When we're not, that's when we're seen as, you know, straight up minority. And so when we get into like the Asian versus Asian American cinema or style of filming, like when I watch something from Asia, I don't see myself up there. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that girl might look like me, but she doesn't represent me. Like I, I almost relate more to like Jennifer Aniston than, you know, a star from China or <laughs> yeah, something yeah. like that. But it's like dis- like distinguishing between like Asian cinema and Asian American cinema is very is very, very key. To kind of like lie down and just say like, let's just bring in Asian cinema and that will satisfy like the Asian American audience is I don't know that that would do the Asian American audience justice. We're we're in this place as Asian Americans, we're in a place where you feel you feel this more when you travel to Asia, is we're not accepted here because we're a minority. You know, we, some people are told to go home or, yeah. or get hoses on them. Um, we're not accepted here. When we go when we go to Asia, if we go to China, Korea, Japan, we're not really accepted there either. Mm-hmm. So we're in this like purgatory limbo state. Hey, we only make up three to eight percent of the population. Whatever it is, yeah. So we, yeah, I'm always like, guys. I'm glad you're talking about it and you're, you're forcing the issue like, hey, we need to have more representation, blah, blah, blah. I think it's great. But at the same time, I'm like, calm it down a little bit because we don't represent 20% or 30% of the population. And But I'm glad there's people out there that are really just kind of pushing it forward and forcing it. I'm glad that uh, Nanachka, Randall, and Ali got to do this movie and, and make it because um, it does inspire people although I always tell kids don't go into entertainment because it, it's just heartbreaking and you don't make any money <laughs> and I don't need the competition <laughs> this has been the MacGuffin Report with Rachel Wong Oz Davis Walter Hall produced by Inclusive Media